Welcome to the Reformed Hope Podcast. In this podcast, we seek to apply God's law word to every area of life. In this episode, we look at current events through the lens of a biblical worldview and consider what the Bible has to say about what is going on around us. We conclude each episode with a brief devotional thought from Scripture. Jesus is King of all things, and all things are to be subject to Him. Christian Headlines shared a story about a bill in the state of California that would force public universities to provide women with easy access to the abortion pill in order that they can stay on track with their goals. Now, the bill aims at providing abortion by medication techniques on every California state university or University of California campus. Now, the logic behind this bill demonstrates the anti-Christian view of women that society is adopting all around us. Now, the actual text of the bill includes the following lines. Listen to these. A, abortion care is a constitutional right and an integral part of comprehensive sexual and reproductive health care. B, more than 400,000 students classified as female are educated at California's public university campuses and it is central to the mission of California's public university student health centers to minimize the negative impact of health concerns on student studies and to facilitate retention and graduation. C. The state has an interest in ensuring that every pregnant person in California who wants to have an abortion can obtain access to that care as easily and as early in pregnancy as possible. When pregnant, young people decide that abortion is the best option for them Having early, accessible care can help them stay on track to achieve their educational and other aspirational life plans. Now, before looking at that last line about staying on track, I would note that B there states that it is the the college's concern with uh, retention and graduation. So they're saying, look, our priority is to retain our students, make sure they stay in school and graduate. And if that means murdering babies, then so be it. And we're going to pass this bill because we are concerned about retention and graduation. Well, uh, beyond the beyond that, just clear uh, evil and disregard for human life, putting their success of their university above human life. Let's look at statement C here, where they say in their last line that abortion will help pregnant women stay on track to achieve their educational and other aspirational life plans. Now, one website. Uh, defines aspirational as having or characterized by aspirations to achieve social prestige and material success. And the example that site uses in defining this word is very fitting for this story. It says, young, aspirational, and independent women. Now, society is telling young women that their highest calling in life is to achieve educational, career, and societal success. So for a woman, who believes that her highest calling is to achieve social prestige and material success, having a baby is just about the worst thing that can happen to her. And so the state of California wants to help ensure women are able to stay on track with the feminist agenda, and thus they are offering to kill all their babies for them so that they can do so. Now, the feminist ideal of a woman who can do everything a man can do has no warrant in scripture. And likewise, the idea that a man can do everything a woman can do, is also erroneous. The Bible teaches that woman was made as a helper to man. This does not mean that a wife is less important or a doormat, but it does mean that her authority is derived from her husband. Now, R.J. Rushduni noted that the biblical doctrine of woman thus reveals her as one crowned with authority. 
in her subjection or subordination, and clearly a helper of the closest possible rank to God's appointed vice regent over creation. And he gives the example of a colonel. Think about a colonel in the military. The colonel's power, authority, and prestige actually grows as the power, authority, and prestige of the general who is over him grows. Thus, woman's subordination under man isn't a demeaning subordination. It's a a way of that she her authority is to be exercised in the world. It's a symbol of her authority. God created man and woman with distinct roles and differing abilities. One is not less important than the other. They were simply made different and made to complement one another. Now, in some ways, the modern feminist or women's rights movement uh, is not a reaction, and those two don't necessarily aren't necessarily equivalent. I understand that feminism and women's rights, but the feminist movement, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. The feminist movement is not necessarily a reaction against the biblical standard in some ways. In many ways it is, but it, it's sometimes a reaction against the unbiblical ideals of the Enlightenment. And Rush Dooney said this, he said, few things have depressed women more than did the Enlightenment, which turned woman into an ornament and helpless creature. He argues that the age of reason saw man as reason incarnate and woman as emotion and will and therefore inferior. So the age of reason, the enlightenment said reason is supreme. Man is reason incarnate and woman is simply emotions. And and actually part of that was that they kind of uh, relegated church and uh, spiritual matters into the, the category of emotion or faith. And therefore church became the realm of women and men failed to lead in the church. But that's another story. But so, you know, Rush Dooney explains in that the result of the women's rights movement in attempting to correct the error of the Enlightenment ideals, which are not biblical, actually went too far in the other direction. So he says this, this is R.J. Rush Dooney. He says, instead of restoring women to their rightful place of authority beside man, women's rights became feminism. It put woman in competition with man. It led to the masculinization of women and the feminization of man to the unhappiness of both. Thus, the age of reason, he continues, brought in an irrational supremacy for men and has led to a war on both sexes. As a result, the laws today work not to establish godly order, but to favor one sex or another. Now, the Bible destroys both errors. The Bible destroys both the error of feminism and the error of the irrational supremacy of man. For example, think of Proverbs 31. This shows us that woman can be industrious, successful, and exercise authority in society, all while acting as the helper of her husband. The Proverbs 31 wife is, in the words of Rush Dooney, a competent manager who is able to take over all business affairs if needed so that her husband can assume public office as a civil magistrate for example. Now, the Proverbs 31 wife corrects both errors and presents a woman who acting for the honor of her husband, right? Think about verse 12 of Proverbs 31. She will do him good, speaking of her husband, is competent and successful while maintaining her primary role as a wife and in some cases a mother. Rush Dooney notes, obviously such a woman, speaking of the Proverbs 31 woman, is very different from the pretty doll of the age of reason, right? When they said, you know, women is just an ornament. She is just there to, to look at and she is not capable of reason and business and industry. So Rush Dooney says that the scriptural uh, description of the wife of the woman here is very different from the pretty doll of the age of reason 
and also different from the highly competitive masculinized woman of the 20th century, or in our case, now the 21st century, who is out to prove that she is as good as any man, if not better. So Rush Juni argues that scripture does primarily present woman as a wife, that is, a help meet. Now, some women are called to singleness, which is itself a high calling. However, most women are called to marry, and most of those are able to bear children. For those who cannot bear children, their role of a wife remains. She is to, together with her husband, subdue the earth and exercise dominion over it. Now, for those who can bear children, like those pregnant college students in California, their role as a wife and mother is clearly set before them in Paul's counsel to young women in 1 Timothy 5, where he says, Therefore, I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us. The highest calling of woman is to serve Jesus Christ. Now, the outworking of that service, however, must conform to the structure that God has instituted in the world. The head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, 1 Corinthians 11. This doesn't demean women. It elevates them, lifting her status and authority to its rightful place. Now, prior to the Enlightenment, Rush Dooney notes, women in 17th century England were often in business, were highly competent managers, and were involved in the shipping trade as insurance brokers, manufacturers, and the like. And Lundberg and Farnham note this, up to the 18th century, women usually figured in business as partners with their husbands and not in inferior capacities. They often took full charge during prolonged absences of their mates. In some instances, when they were the brighter of the pair, they ran the show. And Rush Dooney then also notes that a knowledge of early American history makes clear the high responsibilities of the woman. In New England, for example, where you had sailing men who would go out on travel for or two to three year voyages, they knew that all their business affairs at home could be ably discharged by their wives. Now, the competency and ability of women that was and still is demonstrated today does not mean that women should delegate the rearing of their children to the state. In many cases, husbands and wives would run their business affairs together with their children, thus providing a real-life education for their children that was far better than the one the California University system offers today. The proper way for a pregnant woman to stay on track is not to murder her child and continue her studies in a secular university system, but rather to marry, have children, and manage their households. The most powerful institution on earth, it could be argued, is the home. And to be a manager of the home provides a woman with far more influence and authority than being a CEO of a large corporation. The way to stay on track is to follow God's law and walk in his ways and raise up children in the instruction and admonition of the Lord. We close today's episode with a brief devotional thought from Proverbs chapter 28, verse 26. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. The wisdom all around us says to trust in your own heart. Listen to your heart. Go with your gut. The Bible tells us that the one who trusts in his own heart is nothing less than a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, the one who walks according to God's law, shall be delivered. The way to safety, 
prosperity and blessing is not trusting in your own heart, but walking according to the law of the Lord. Thank you for listening to the Reformed Hope Podcast. If you've been blessed by this podcast, be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. For articles, sermons, and more resources on applying the Lordship of Christ to every area of your life, please visit www.reformedhope.com. Also, be sure to check us out on Facebook. Until next time, go serve the risen King.